Millennials are grossly underestimated. Their jobs aren't their whole worlds. They have options, they have the internet. Job satisfaction and strength of relationships, there ain't no app for that. Education is not a mechanical system, it's a human system. Any kind of work that's on some level predictable, then that's gonna be susceptible to artificial intelligence and, and machine learning. And that job, where you go to a building and you stay there 40 hours, and then you do that again for 40 years and then you retire, that's gone. Technology magnifies our leverage and increases our creativity. Stay hungry, stay foolish. Please wait as your individualized operating system is initiated. This is the Powerful Nonsense Podcast, guiding you through the madness of modern life. This podcast is sponsored by the University of Northampton, the first UK university to be awarded the Ashoka U Changemaker Campus status, in recognition of their commitment to social entrepreneurship. Now, here are your hosts, Wayne Ingram and Jem Yildiz. What's up, Powerful Nonsenses? Hello. We are back in your ear holes. Have you missed us? Have you missed me, Jem? You've been away, Wayne. I'm back for five months. Can you believe it, Wayne? I'm mildly tanned. No, that's just freckles. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, that is just my freckles came out. That's it. That's it. Looking good, Wayne. You look a little bit more rejuvenated. I, as I should, because... Because that was a, that was the longest holiday I've had in a long time. Was it nice to switch off? Oh, it was so good. So good. No, no, no notifications in. from anyone. Just all those ladies. She had to say no. Yeah, that's it. I had to. I had to put the put the ladies on hold and just be like, no. I'm busy. I'm away. Please don't bother me. Because the amount of notifications I get a day from all those ladies mm-hmm. being just like, give too me much, attention. Too much just, <sighs> Damn, I don't know how you do it. I just be your back. So as soon as you got off that, that plane, that's it. That's it, ringing off all, the hook. All the ladies. Those, those ladies, ladies in particular being bosses. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wayne, when are you coming into work? <laughs> Where have you been? But We've you had, missed you. But you had a good time. Uh, yes. No, very good time. Nice mm-hmm. and relaxed. And my first kind of foray into distant lands, really. Because Fran- I don't think France is a distant land. The Dublin at the end of the month. And Dublin's not. Oh, well, yeah. Good old knees up with the boys. Whee. <laughs> anyway, we should probably introduce who we are. That's true. Rather yes. than just talking about ourselves. Very true. Uh, for those listening for the first time, I am Wayne Ingram. And I am Jem Yildiz. And this is Powerful Nonsense. Hello. Bonjour. No, I'm not doing that again. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we've got a great episode planned today. Mm-hmm. Talking... Again, based off some articles which we've stumbled across, which we occasionally do episodes like that. We did enjoy the old last uh, Newsjack episode, mm. so we thought, hey, let's do that let's again and see what comes out. Um, so we've got a lot of things to talk about, about uh, changes in teaching, um, the UK's place in the new revolution that's happening, um, as well as millennials choosing a more freelance lifestyle and how they're using that to have further Job security. Mm-hmm. Um, so all that to come. Um, let's start with the teachers, shall we? Yeah. Um, so it was an article on Forbes. Um, we're kind of going to deflect a little bit off of what the article is actually about. Um, but the article was about um, an organization based in Cambridge, America, not Cambridge here. Yeah. Um, 
I can't remember which state, but Cambridge in America, um, this organization that's been set up to help teach teachers how to do their job. Basically like a YouTube for teachers, but mainly teachers upload the content and then you have to pay to watch that content. Was it something like that? It was something like that. But it was also, it was like this mentoring scheme. It was, it was less about actually, and this is where we'll probably divert, it was less about actually the teachers teaching to the students virtually, but actually teachers being taught Good teachers teach. teaching bad teachers how to be good. <laughs> Virtually. <laughs> Virtually. <laughs> Something like that. Um, but we kind of wanted to talk about the <clears throat> whole concept of um, education at the moment and how how teachers need to... And, and teachers, to be fair, have got better at this in recent years. But um, how the teaching style needs to be more akin to teaching virtually and using technology more actively in the classroom mm-hmm. um, than it is being used now i think we are still in the age and i might be wrong i should probably talk to my niece about this actually now that she's going through senior school <clears throat> um but act, like i still think we may be in the age of uh teachers not wanting the students to use their phones and and things in class which i think is a bit mm. counterproductive. I can understand why, um, but I think that would be a bit counterproductive given the fact that the technology that we have in our pockets can leverage so much. Well, I've heard a lot about like a lot of teachers nowadays just saying, hey, go home and watch this YouTube video, or mm. at the end of the day, they'll give links out on a piece of paper and then the students find the right YouTube video to watch, which I think is actually a good move. But I think one of the things that I think teachers are probably kind of lacking nowadays is i think in some ways you've got to be like a, a performer in some ways at the front yeah, of that class you because you've got to hold the students attentions now who are like totally bored and so mm. <clears throat> if anything i think that these uh, teachers need to kind of really look into like youtube vloggers and stuff like that really educate themselves on how these young people are holding other young people's attention yeah. and then how they can kind of bring that into their teaching and that's where i think maybe this platform where really good teachers are teaching kind of teachers who are newly into it or kind of aren't as experienced and maybe that's sort of the aspects that maybe they are promoting is this idea that you need to kind of teach in a whole new way now it's not about just trying like showing the information and putting a book mm-hmm. in front of someone but it's actually that the delivery of that information mm. yeah and and uh, i think i think that is really you've kind of hit the nail on the head there with where uh i think the nature of teaching needs to change generally i don't think we can afford um in schools textbook based teaching i mean it barely worked when we were at school <laughs> <laughs> to yeah. be honest, those teachers that used to just teach you out of the textbook. The worst was when you literally had to like, they'd say, okay, today we're doing this module, turn to page 56. <laughs> and from 56 to page 63, I want you just to copy it into your own book. And you're like, what is the point? Like, I might as well be a photocopy machine. Like. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. And that was like, okay, you've took it, it in. If that was me now, I'd literally get my phone out, get my scanner app and just scan. Scan it, <laughs> go, it. print it, go send it to the printer via Wi-Fi and say, miss, done it, done it now, finished. Now <laughs> yeah. what? And then they go, okay, go on 63 to 48 to so please, 78. Please tell me what you've learned. Well, I learned how I can scan documents on my phone. <laughs> it's probably more useful than just bloody copying from one book to another. <laughs> yeah. um, but I think... Um, the t- teaching style now has to be much more, even in schools, I think now has to be much more along the style of university teaching, whereby it is you go find the knowledge, 
and then we'll discuss. Discuss. Well, here's the knowledge. Do some here's workshop. where to find the knowledge. Then we'll discuss because the te- the value of the teaching now is not in the knowledge, but actually in applying that knowledge. Yeah. See, like it makes me think about my like cookery class when the first time you come in and you all make the same sandwich and you cut off the bloody crusts and that's it. You've learned how to make sandwich. But nowadays, a better version would be like go home, experiment with some sandwiches. Like look on YouTube for some recipes, mm-hmm. and then when you all come in, you can all make each other sandwich. You make your own sandwich and then try it out with each other. That's mm-hmm. more kind of less just do it this way and it's finished. It's more actually go out and experiment and bring your side to it. And then when you come in, you've got something new to show people, discuss Mm -hmm. why you chose this instead of this recipe and stuff like that. Right. And um, interestingly enough, actually, um, I know that the University of Northampton, sponsor of the show, is actually... Were you going to say like an expert sandwich maker or something? No, no, no. Um, Well, there might be. Uh, I don't know, actually. Interesting. We should probably find that out. Do you, <laughs> University of Northampton, if you're listening, specialise in the production of sandwiches. Expert sandwich makers. <laughs> um, no, they're actually because they're moving to their new campus uh, next year, I think, next September, and um, they are now actually doing away with lectures, mm. and it's all being done through online content and things like that. And actually, the lectures themselves, which is the the teacher just basically going here's the knowledge that's going being done away with to be replaced with online video etc etc to then come in have the seminars and have the discussions around that knowledge which i think is the and i believe they're the first university in europe to do that well i know a lot of the universities are recording their lectures and then putting them online to go but they're all 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 lectures though and i think that might be where the where they're the first to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that's the way that it's, it's ultimately going to go because, let's be honest, when we want to learn something, we go straight to YouTube. Yeah, let's be honest. When we're really hungover in bed from those party nights, we just want to sit in bed and watch our lecture and then figure it out tomorrow. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's it. <laughs> have, you, have you leftover kebab from the night before? <laughs> have you Lucozade? <laughs> rehydrate whilst watching your lecture. <laughs> With your headache and your paracetamol. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And <laughs> just feeling sorry for yourself yeah. whilst learning. <laughs> well, that's it. Productive hangovers. <laughs> Without the horrible walk into uni the next morning. That shameful walk. <laughs> <laughs> Still wearing the clothes from the night before. <laughs> we wouldn't do that at university. No, 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 no. Students no. don't do that. No, not at all. Not at all. Um, cool. So it kind of, this all kind of sets up in many ways kind of the next part of what we wanted to talk about which was an article from the BBC um, basically um, ba- ba- an article itself based off a report that was done whereby the report suggested that the UK basically needed to prepare itself for this next industrial revolution which was which is all about robotics, 3D printing that kind of thing um, and how we need to therefore create more skilled workers in those areas which i think is where it links to the education because the the education needs to change because knowledge as a country i think for the last 20 30 years we've been a country that has very much thrived off of its knowledge and its uh, academics um we haven't been a country of industry for several decades now um and it's all been through intellectual property in many ways and intellectual property now is becoming less and less valuable and actually the ability to 
um, push technology forward. Really, it's it's the technology that is the that is the real uh, money maker now. Mm-hmm. Um, you look at what's happening in Silicon Valley and all of all of the money that's floating around there. Um, and with the new frontiers such as automation, robotics, three D printing, artificial intelligence, things like that, we're now at risk as a country of actually being completely un- underskilled um, because we're not leveraging that in education and training for workers. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where, obviously, the education institutions and stuff like that have to kind of make people excited about these things. It's the same kind of thing they were saying recently, well, only like a few years ago. Now they're not even mentioning like coding and stuff mm-hmm. like that because they've become simpler to do. You can use software which will write the code as you tell it what to do. But it seems that it's like even that, it was marketed badly that nobody was like, oh, you want to be a coder? And then they've been trying to push everybody to get into coding. Now it's this whole robotics, this 3D printing and stuff like that. So the other side of that is that actually if we can have these lectures online, the speed to change because these things are changing every single week. But then if a lecturer is like, wait a minute, that course I was teaching last week about robotics using this Mm -hmm. system is so outdated. Next week I record the lecture, update it, ping it back out to people and say, this is the new way. Right. And it means it can change on like a weekly or monthly basis rather than waiting two, three years for a whole module to change or a That's whole it. bloody course. Well, the thing is as well, like <clears throat> with respect to the school system, we don't need schools to teach us how to code anymore. I never learned any of my very, very limited uh, coding knowledge, like HTML and all that, but I never learned any of that from school. I learned all that from online. And uh, Apple have got a app for iPads called uh, Swift Playgrounds. It's been a while, Wayne, which, since you mentioned uh, Apple. I know, it has. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I've got to throw it in there every now and then. Uh, the, uh, an app called Swift Playgrounds. And I'm sure they're not the only only uh, company to do this, but it's an app that you sit on, put on your iPad and basically it's like a puzzle game, but it's you solve the puzzles through coding. Oh, yeah. Um, I've never actually tried it. I should probably give it a go. It'd be quite interesting. But... You've got all this technology at your disposal to be able to do stuff like that. But what people don't have is the likes of 3D printers in their home or robotics in their home. And really, I think the the issue with the education system and why we're in this potential issue is that the school system has been complacent for too long about the technology. It took an approach of phones and digital technology equals bad, equals distraction, equals... (laughs) Um, lack of knowledge being transferred in the classroom rather than using that technology to leverage it. And now we're in a position where we're actually 20 years behind where we should be on the technology front because the kids have had to learn how to use the stuff themselves. And rather than using it for creative, um, well, not necessarily not creative, but productive stuff, they've been using it to put post duck faces on fucking Instagram. And I think actually if the school system had gone, this is a new technology, let's let's embrace this and work it into the school system early on. Now and now we're just playing catch up because mm-hmm. now we're kind of going well, we're still trying to work out how to incorporate the technology that's now 10 years old into the classroom. Yeah, and I think a massive lack is the kind of um kind of expressing what the sort of practical application is of these technologies which I think is what is holding a lot of young people from even mm. getting involved because Absolutely. they don't see that end result. You've got people like I think like Elon Musk now with Tesla and these kind of gigafactories as we start to read this technology that sends people to space 
I think the more of that that we can see and it can kind of inspire young people to kind of now see that if I learn robotics, I could be creating the next driverless car and make people excited about robotics and these sort of things rather than make it seem like it's very niche is only for the geeks the minority and i think that's where it's got to change the marketing around um these kind of subjects anyway oh most definitely and as you say about like the coding in particular and you know it does not sound very appealing mm-hmm. <laughs> at all whereas actually if it's I mean, how you'd market it, I don't know, but you certainly wouldn't use the coding. Well, you'd just say, hey, Mark Zuckerberg built Facebook coding in his bedroom, and now look. So, which is something that kind of got a lot of people excited about coding. Right. But again, they want to kind of see how they're going to now tackle something like with a, like a mission driven sort of venture i think the more with young people now they want to do good so if they had if they can find a way to build robotics that help field feed millions or they build something that brings people together stuff like that i think just needs to be put in front of young people more often yeah well as i as i've said in a few meetings that that we've had together you've just got to appeal to ambition and And the values as well and the values of people absolutely um so i'll take a quick break now Uh, Mm -hmm. i've got another couple of uh, subjects to discuss to discuss I've gone Dutch hello <laughs> nice to see you <laughs> uh, to, to discuss uh, after the break so um, <laughs> uh, yes we need to say a massive thank you to the sponsor of the show long time sponsor of the show uh, the University of Northampton uh, continuing to show their support for us which we're very grateful for um the University of Northampton, they're, they're a very good fit for sponsoring this show, mainly because um, they they get this education stuff that we've been talking about. As I've said, you know, they're trying to, well, they are planning to ditch lectures and go purely virtual so that then actually the value of time, contact time, can be about discussion, about knowledge, for example. But also they're very aware of kind of the stuff that we'll be talking about in the second half of this episode about the more entrepreneurial lifestyle that people are starting to live and the stuff that you just mentioned, Gem, about values and impact and things like that. And one of the things that they've very strongly integrated into the university and both the lifestyle and education of it is this idea of social enterprise, uh, which is setting up a business to have positive social impact but also to make a profit. Um, And that's very much integrated into all levels of the university. So if you want to attend a innovative, groundbreaking university, um, and you also, as well as getting your degree, want to set up your own business, your own venture, or even charity or or social enterprise, then I think they'd probably be the university for you. So check them out, northampton.ac.uk, and a massive thank you to them, as always, for supporting the show. Nice one. So... Um, yes. So we've talked about the education side, really, and the skills, the potential skills gap that we're gonna gonna have, um, and we've talked about how that applies to education. But of course, as we know, education is about setting us up for the working world, um, and part of the reason why I think we are so passionate about education and and how it needs to change is because we have felt that when we graduated, we were unprepared for the world that we were walking into, Um, particularly one of freelancing and self-employment, which we chose to voluntarily go into, but is actually the path that everybody's headed towards, whether that's full self-employment, side hustles, part-time self-employment, whatever. We're getting to a point now where actually we're moving to a self-employed society. 
um, partially or in full. Even to the point that actually by uh, 2020, 40% of at least US workforce is expected to be made up of self-employed workers, independent contractors, et cetera, et cetera. And we're not actually that far behind in the increase either. Um, it's been reported that uh, in 2008, we had 3.8 million self-employed workers. And by 2015, that rose to 4.6 million. So almost a million increase. And I'm sure that's only going to speed up. In fact, I'd like to see what the figures are for 2017, actually, um, because I imagine it was an even not an even bigger jump for over than over the, that period of time. But if you were to break it down yearly, I imagine the increase is only getting bigger each year exponentially. Yeah, and I can imagine that actually a lot of these people probably aren't quitting their jobs, but they might be starting a little mm. freelance venture on the side, So, which again is something they talk about, these little side hustles that yeah. people have started doing. Yeah, and I think, and I think what, what we'll see happening is the more and more people do this, the more and more they'll eventually phase out their day job. Um, over the years that we've been doing this podcast, I started out as essentially all of my income being from employment rather than self-employment with the odd bits and pieces coming in here and there when I get an acting job. And now I've moved to, I'm now 80% self-employed, um, albeit client work as opposed to acting work for the most part. But even then I'm getting more acting work more regularly, more voiceover work more regularly. And my main income is from a self-employed perspective which gives me more flexibility, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I think we're moving into a point where actually people are seeing that as an opportunity, which is what this third article that we saw was kind of talking about, which is um, employees are now seeing the opportunity of self-employment. They're seeing the opportunities that the internet is providing and all this technology is providing. And they're basically, they now have in many ways leverage over their employers because their perspective is very much, well, actually, there is a better option out there. So I don't need to be here. I'm choosing to be here. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, and I could I could take this self-employed thing that I'm doing on the side and actually go full-time with it. So what are you going to offer me to keep me around? Yeah, and I think um, one thing that a lot of young people, especially millennials, are thinking is just thinking about this whole holistic way of living. Mm. I think in, there's a stat in there that actually like full-timers do an average of 47 hours a week and freelancers do 36. And we've mentioned many times how important, like how valuable time is to us. And I think a lot of people are saying actually, yeah, I might not earn because there was a big stat in there that obviously freelancers earn significantly less than yes, full-time which people, true. which is totally true. And But at the same time, is are the freelancers it'd be interesting to see the well-being to earning because at mm -hmm. the same time, are they deciding to take that pay cut because now they're in control of their income and at the same time, they've got more time to actually go and live other things of purpose to them. Well, this is it. I mean, you have to think how, for the people that are fully employed, how many people are actually working more hours, not because they need the money, but because they need to save face with the company they're working for? Mm -hmm. How many people work overtime, not because they want to or they need the money, but because they're pressured by their employer to work those extra hours and the thinking is well if i don't do it i'm going to get a disciplinary which means i might lose my job well it's the same thing even in this and in this article sorry there's a great little quote that someone says like spending all day sitting at a desk for the sake of appearance can't go 
on for much longer. I love that. I love that quote. And I think it's so true. I think a lot of people, when they really think about going into work this morning and you actually think about how much actual time you spend doing the work for your company, it is minimal. It's like three, four hours maximum. Mm-hmm. I reckon like half the day is probably productive. The rest is you kind of, again, like you said, saving face. And so actually freelancers seeing, look, I can get the work done and I'm not going to feel guilty after I finish it. I know myself, like I do video editing as well. And when I have a day where I've got to do some videos, it might take me, I might do three, four hours that day. And I'm like, you know what? I'm just good. I don't do anything more today. I feel like I've got enough done and it's over. But whereas if I was at a work full time, I'd be worrying that everybody's looking over my shoulder because sometimes, especially with craving endeavors, you're not always feeling like you can go eight hours solid. You need to do it in bursts. And so... For me, it meant that I don't feel pressurized by other people looking over my shoulder, making sure that I'm working flat out like a robot 24-7. Yeah, and I think, you know, also you have to consider that one of the big things um, is the commute as well. Like Mm -hmm. um, working freelance doesn't always mean that you can work from home. I work freelance for my main source of income, but I generally work at at an office. Um, But... You know, if we, we, as a freelancer, it does give you more flexibility to be able to do that. Um, I'll be working remotely next week um, because I'm not needed in the office physically. And so I can do all the work I need to get done, done at home. Um, and but even, you know, if, even if you are being com- if you are commuting as a freelancer, the difference is, is actually you're at least offsetting your travel expenses <laughs> against mm-hmm. your taxes because it's a business expense as opposed to, you know, not even being paid for your time whatsoever in any respect. Mm-hmm. You're paying for your traveling and that's coming out of your pocket, nobody else's, you, and your time in there. If, whereas if you're a freelancer, you have much more flexibility to when you ask for your initial sum you've already calculated how much your travel is going to cost you in opportunity costs, or you should have done, opportunity costs and ex- and travel expenses. So theoretically, if you've negotiated well, that sh- your travel should technically be, be being paid for, mm-hmm. uh, which, you know, employers, employees, sorry, don't often have that luxury. Um, yeah. So then you've lost usually an hour of commuting anyway, um, and an hour back, you know, and... And it's those little things that I think the employers need to really start looking at and go in, you know what, we'll pay for your travel in because, because we want you here mm-hmm. or we'll let you work remotely because we appreciate that actually you don't need to be here and you're only here because we've told you to be here. So mm-hmm. please work remotely. And, and things like um, Virgin, as I think you said before we hit record, now offering unlimited holiday. There's this idea that um, if you... If you um, give people a limited amount of holiday that you'll have more control over them and actually it causes resentment if anything else because they get to a point where they go well if i want to take time off now i have to fill out a few forms then make sure you check it against this person or do you know what and and, you know you might have very uh specific things that that actually need to be done you know you hear you hear of companies sometimes and you know not all companies do this but it has happened where companies discipline people for going to a bloody funeral for christ's sake mm-hmm. and it's it's ridiculous whereas you know uh, i know vayner media does the unlimited holiday thing and virgin yeah, and it's about it's about monitoring the workers and their productivity and making sure they're not taking the piss but the problem with employers for the most part i think is they assume the workers are going to take the piss before they've even take, taken the piss yeah. it's like guilty until proven innocent kind yeah. of thing 
Yeah, and I just think that a lot of companies are now seeing with that unlimited holiday that actually the only way they are going to attract millennials is keeping it like the uh, work. Your employees are actually freelance. They are coming in mm. when they want. They're leaving when they want. As long as they're getting their work done, as long as they're trusted, which you have to do, you have to be self-reliant. You have to know when you've got to work. You know when you've got to focus, and they're doing it. And I think that's what companies are seeing, that yes, we do have to kind of give that space to our employees to keep them happy and it brings in that sort of element of well-being which again is another thing that a lot of people are pushing so should we jump into the last point which kind of like reflects this and it's just simply about the idea that actually um uh, millennials are redefining job security and i think this comes from the whole freelance thing it's like we me, me and wayne were saying to ourselves before we started like when we look at all the different aspects of what we do to earn income they're varied they kind of tie together loosely but actually it's much more safe we've spoke about it many times it's much more safe to have three or four little side hustles or one main hustle and two side hustles than actually just having one job nine to five like if that person decides actually we don't want you anymore your income's gone and so especially for millennials to see job security to them is now actually mixing up these multiple revenue revenue streams which is so much easier to do nowadays yeah um, well it's about what millennials are realizing is that each individual skill that has applied to each particular job if you break the job down into each individual skill each individual skill can be monetized everything i do beyond the 20 percent of actual standard employment work that i do uh, all of that has actually been based off of my skills as an actor or skills I've had to learn in order to have a working business as an actor. Um, we do the podcast, which, you know, obviously there's presentation skills and voice skills that come into doing the podcast. There's uh, my PA work, which is my, my main client, um, which I learned from having to be so organized because I was spinning so many plates to try and get my acting career off the ground and I became super hyper-organized. Um, and so I've leveraged that skill in order to apply that to someone else's business, which is my main source of income. Plus I do voiceover work, which obviously is acting in of itself, plus then actual acting in the more, quote, traditional sense. Um and all of those have come out of being an actor. And I think what millennials are starting to realise is that, as I say, each individual skill can now be monetized. Yeah, and I think the only thing they're lacking is the awareness of how to do that. And at the same time, is having that sort of business acumen. Like I had a text yesterday from my sister being like, oh, my friend wants to speak to you about starting her own thing on the side. And it's like, it's amazing how many people actually don't know where to start. And I think there is this massive illusion around as soon as you start making money doing something on the side that isn't through an employer that gives you a payslip but then in a month then suddenly it all gets very official and very kind of scary yes whereas i literally think that actually it's very easy once you know what you're doing and then but the, the information is all out there it's just that we've been so trained not to look at that side like not to look at that opportunity yeah. and so people don't even start but then you start hearing about people around you someone's selling this thing online someone's making money on instagram mm -hmm. suddenly you think wait a minute is this possible and then you kind of get interested then that's where the whole yeah. learning listening to podcasts comes in we've been so trained i think to just have everything lined up before we hit we push the button yeah you know we've been so trained to you, you know, if you don't plan, you plan to fail and all that sort of stuff. Uh, the academic side, it goes back to the school system, is plan, 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 plan before you do anything. Um, and actually, that is now so counterproductive. That's what's actually holding so many people back. In fact, I look at my theatre company that I set up and actually that's how we started because 
we knew we knew no better we, by our own admission we were not business people in any stretch of the imagination when we set up that theatre company and um, it was plan, 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 plan make sure we've got everything every possible outcome covered before we do anything and that's ultimately I think what held us back and ultimately why I think that business I mean it still runs but it certainly hasn't taken off and it certainly doesn't make any significant profit it's more there as a passion project more than anything else certainly doesn't make enough money for anyone to live off um and i think that's one of the main reasons why and i think actually really you just need to go out and just do it and just see what happens and sell something yeah and just (laughs) tie up all the loose ends later uh but but don't create more problems for yourself by trying to be too um in many ways trying to be too safe with it and i think that's where this whole millennials finding this new job security is really interesting because now we get into a point where actually people are kind of going, actually, I can have all these loose ends and I can have this, that and the other. And, and, you know, I don't have to worry about upsetting my boss because I've got this other thing going on because millennials are now at the point that goes back to what we were saying about employ employers needing to adjust to employees needs is we're now in a position where actually <laughs> millennials are willing to go, well, actually, no, I could make something of this. And it's, it's the day job that's holding me back. Yeah. Um, and so they're more willing to go, no, I'm going to take time off because I want to use time for this project that I'm doing, which actually for me is more exciting. And I feel I have more of a future in. Mm-hmm. Cool. A lot of stuff there. It was nice. There was a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff. If you've got any uh, opinions on this, please do send them send them through or if there's a point like if there's something we discussed that you think actually you know what you said there is really good and we'd like you to go a little bit deeper on mm. how you did this or about this subject then let us know and we'll maybe build yeah. out to a full episode this is your show more than it is ours at the end of the day um but yes yeah, so if you do have any thoughts send us an email i'm wayne at powerfulnonsense.com gem is gem at powerfulnonsense.com that's c-e-m um or send us a tweet at pn underscore podcast um we're pretty pretty clued up on our twitter not many people tweet us actually but no. when we do we we respond um but yeah do do send that out or also you could do us a massive massive favor and leave us a nice little uh nice little itunes review which actually can be done on the phone nowadays i've seen yeah we're definitely <coughs> gonna have to update our uh yeah uh review page um but yes you can just go straight into the podcast app now and leave a rating and review straight in the podcast app on uh the i the apple podcast app no excuses anymore yeah no excuses so nothing to so tell it. you what as you're listening to this because you'll probably be listening to it on your phone take your phone out your pocket open the podcast app give us a virtual high five with five stars exactly and leave, leave some nice comments we do it do it now <laughs> I've got it all done. They just switched off, Wayne. They're gone. <laughs> <laughs> deleted. Swipe, delete. <laughs> um, so, yes, so that's it. So, uh, thanks very much, as always, for tuning in, and uh, we'll catch you next time. See you later.